Welcome to the QI Chatroom. I'm your host, Kelly Bond. This podcast is brought to you by Redwood Community Health Coalition, or RCHC for short. We're a network of community health centers and a wellness education site throughout Marin, Napa, Sonoma, and Yolo counties. We formed in 1994 with a mission of improving access to and the quality of care provided for underserved and uninsured people. This podcast is all about quality improvement, or QI, in healthcare. We'll bring you speakers from our member health centers, outside health centers, county and federal agencies, healthcare plans, and more. Those speakers will discuss promising practices they've identified at health centers, the latest data on specific health topics, and engage in conversation with our live audience. We've been hosting these chat rooms since late 2018 and transitioned to the podcast format in the fall of 2019 to reach a greater range of listeners. We hope you'll join us as we share the latest in quality improvement with you. This episode is the fifth in our series of COVID-19-focused sessions. The goal of these sessions is to share information with health centers that can make this challenging time a little bit easier. Please note that this session was recorded in May and is being published in June, so keep that caveat in mind when the speakers mention dates and other reference points. Today we're joined by four guests representing COADS and VOADS of Marin, Napa, and Sonoma counties to talk about the work they're doing during the COVID-19 pandemic, specifically around food resources. What is a COAD and a VOAD? We'll get to that in a moment. First, I'll let our guests introduce themselves. My name is Mimi Enright. I'm a program manager with UC Cooperative Extension in Sonoma County. I sit on the Sonoma County Food System Alliance uh, as a function of that, um, following a number of the fire disasters in Sonoma County in recent years. Through the Food System Alliance, we did some emergency food response gatherings um, to get glean learnings of what worked, what didn't work, how can we be better prepared for future disasters. I also chair the Sonoma County Food Recovery Coalition, focused on increasing food recovery and decreasing food waste, and a number of other initiatives through my work at UC Cooperative Extension. And they've kind of evolved into um, my participating as uh, the lead, facilitating a weekly call with the COAD emergency food response groups here in Sonoma County. I had only just sat in on my first COAD meeting in Sonoma County when that group was starting to regenerate in January. So uh, I'm also in the county of Sonoma. Uh, my name is John Kessel, and I work at the county, actually. And um, I've been working with our local COAD uh, in Sonoma County uh, since the 2017 fires. So we We've had a few uh, emergencies together, um, including the 2019 floods and then the 2019 Kincaid fire. One of the roles that I have at the county uh, for this particular event is I'm working with the food task force and then helping coordinate with Mimi um, some of the activities around the COAD and the different food providers. And then uh, we also have uh, contracts that we have directly with some of the provider agencies, and so I help manage those. My name is Celeste Junta, and I am the director for Napa Valley Community Organizations Active in Disaster. I've been in this role for the past 10 months, and in those 10 months, we've probably spent four of them in an active response. 
that has involved needing to support food access in the community. We also have a fourth guest, Adriana Rapkin from Marin County VOAD, who we'll hear from in a minute. But first, what is a COAD and a VOAD? You might have heard Celeste mention it, but here's John for a detailed explanation. Certainly, and, and I'm, of course, going to approach this from the county perspective, but a COAD or a VOAD is, is a community organization active in disasters. And so uh, a lot of times during an emergency event, um, you'll have these nonprofits or um, NGOs, non-governmental organizations that participate. And people know about a lot of them, uh, maybe the American Red Cross or Salvation Army, um, and they're familiar with that. But there's there's a whole host of agencies that get together. Um, and so the COAD uh, looks at how to kind of organize and facilitate that coming together. And so oftentimes they will provide a forum for communication or coordination for anything like that, how to work better with the government or how to work better with the public, um, how to get good information so that those individual agencies can do their job better. And so it's non-operational. In other words, the COAD itself isn't doing things, but the agencies within the COAD certainly are operational. And so from the county's perspective, it's fantastic to have a COAD in your, in your community because you can go to them and you can kind of share information or get information. And so what we've seen in Sonoma County is a real transition from kind of an inactive COAD, maybe going into the 2017 fires to a real recognition that there needed to be a COAD that, that was active and so uh, after the fires, there was a lot of work done around a recovery operation center um, using those, those private non, non-governmental, I guess I should say, resources. Uh, and then going into the 2019 floods, the organization really tried to pull together and say, well, what are we going to do? How are we going to get organized to provide real value Um, One of the areas that we we worked on was getting a member of the COAD to be in our actual emergency operations center where they could participate in the briefings. They could have information directly and participate in that way. Um, That's something we didn't have previously, and that's been a real value add both to the COAD members to have someone there, but also to the county to have more situational awareness. So I guess that's kind of my my overview working with the co-ad here in Sonoma County. Two things I'd like to add to that. Here's Adriana for an explanation of VOADs. There are both VOADs and co-ads. VOADs are voluntary organizations active in disaster, which are essentially the same thing as community organizations. I think it's important to recognize that they both are Um, really the same and sit under the same umbrella. There's a national VOAD that was established in 1970. And there are at this point, probably 54 state and territorial VOADs. California, for example, has two, um, a Northern California and a Southern California VOAD. And then there are regional VOADs or COADs, depending on what each county feels they should call it. Marin goes by Marin VOAD. And the only thing that I would like to add um, is that when, when you try to understand what a VOAD and COAD is, 
you know, and you say it's a collaboration of nonprofits and faith-based organizations and community agencies and government agencies, that's often hard for people to understand. And my husband got it very quickly and he said, so basically you're helping the left hand speak with the right hand, which is exactly right. We help the nonprofits and community agencies understand, communicate, coordinate, and cooperate with the government agencies. And I, I found that a very helpful way of understanding and explaining what VOADs and COADs do. Um, because to John's point, we don't provide services, but we are sort of that glue that helps um, everybody communicate. What does the COAD look like in Napa County? We are community organizations active in disaster, and Napa Valley COAD is, is a little different from some of the other COADs. We tend to, um, because we have a paid director, that gives us a slightly different feel, <laughs> as it were. We are very tied into with the county. We are an independent organization. We're funded separately from the county, and we are not part of the county, but we do partner with the county a lot, and we do have a seat in the emergency operations center. So we are you know, tied in and have very firsthand information during a disaster. So from our perspective, we operate a little differently as a co-ad than say Marin does. We tend to have a broader role and we're a smaller county. So there's a lot of areas where the county is not able to respond or it's outside of their response. For example, food is outside of their response in a non-shelter situation like the public safety power shutoffs, the county really is not in, it's outside of their scope of response to provide food resources. And so COAD really focuses on coordinating food resources during those PSPS events. And then that has really been amplified during the pandemic. Uh, in Napa, we have 90 member organizations and we have during this uh, COVID-19 response, we've stood up nine subcommittees and chief among them is food but we also have an emergency financial assistance group a mental health group um, animal welfare group a public information and outreach group a volunteer group a resource group as well as a child care group which is unique for this uh, event as well we have a much broader response than some of the other co-ads um, in, in terms of our relationship with the county how do COADs and VOADs support resources for things like food access in times of emergencies and disasters? Here's Mimi from Sonoma. I've been serving in a role since shortly after Shelter-in-Place went in uh, order uh, here in Sonoma County as a function of COVID-19. And basically, I've been um, hosting a weekly one-hour conference call for the emergency food nonprofit organizations that are doing the food response work here in Sonoma County, basically holding space for them as an opportunity for getting an update from the county on the status of the situation, uh, and then an opportunity to share their current organization status and any issues or challenges that they're encountering in meeting the needs of the community for emergencies for emergency food. It's a networking, a connecting. Uh, an opportunity to elevate issues, to try to problem solve as a group of organizations. And then I've just uh, been trying to help facilitate identifying any programs or projects or opportunities for addressing their issues or needs to help them more effectively 
uh, do their mission, which is so critical during one of these disaster crises as we're seeing. And here's Celeste with a Napa County perspective. In terms of food, our role has really been to coordinate and communicate about food access. So we focus on food access. Um, And we just launched last Tuesday. This past week, we launched a food calendar where people can go online and find out in their city, given their circumstances, what kinds of food access is available to them. So we pulled that together as a partnership between COAD and the county. And now that calendar lives on the county and we hope that it will live on for a very long time because it's a very critical resource and it'll be, once people get used to using it, um, a great planning tool for us as well as for the people who um, need those resources. What food resources are currently available to residents and how have those resources changed due to COVID? Here's Mimi again. There's a complex web of nonprofit organizations, and I think each county is is going to be a different reflection of what those organizations, nonprofit organizations are and how they meet their community needs. Um, We have a breadth of organizations from Redbud Empire Food Bank, which does the bulk of the shelf-stable and produce food distribution in the Northern California region, quite frankly, to organizations like Salvation Army or Catholic Charities that might have services that deal with different specific communities, whether delivering um, shelf-stable groceries, produce, or prepared food, to organizations like Ceres or Food for Thought here in Sonoma County that do specific nutrition-based prepared meals that go out to um, immune-challenged specific communities. We have a a nonprofit that pops up only in the time of emergencies that started in the, during the 2017 fires, popped up again during the Kincaid fire, uh, and has popped up again during COVID-19 called Sonoma Family Meal, who also does prepared food preparation. I'd say the big shift from past disaster responses as compared to COVID-19 are the obvious ones where the complexities of those organizations coming together given the infectious nature of COVID-19 really complicates how they can come together to cook and prepare food or prepare boxed food for distribution, such as Redwood Empire Food Bank does. It's been incredible to watch how nimble those nonprofit organizations have been in shifting how they manage that and how they've had to make staff changes. And also as a function of the impact of the volunteer base that typically supports many of these emergency food response nonprofits given that many, the bulk of those volunteer resources are some of those most at risk with COVID-19 over the age of 65. It's been challenging, but it's been really incredible to watch those organizations make the adaptations that they needed to, to meet what is probably the highest demand for emergency food that we've ever seen. Um, During the fires, of course, you had a subset of our county population that was impacted But in this scenario, it, of course, impacts everybody. And uh, with uh, extremely high numbers of unemployment are driving up the needs of our community higher than we've ever experienced in the past. So here's John with more information about Sonoma County's response. One of the early tasks that the COAD did to support resources uh, for food access was really helping the county understand Uh, who the umbrella organizations were 
that kind of supplied some of the smaller agencies, um, maybe if you will, the, the wholesaler type organizations. And then also what some of the niches were, the very specialty things uh, that we wouldn't otherwise think of. That really helped the county uh, as we developed a series of contracts for food provision to understand, hey, we've got we've to meet a wide geographic area, but we also have to meet a wide or ranging demographic population. And it's, it's very particular with, with food need. And so we would see things like our um, in-home supportive services that maybe have a, a medical need. They might have a different niche uh, for food than, say, uh, someone who's lost their job and, and really is trying to just support the family. We also were able to pull in our schools uh, to that conversation and really work on that seamless summer waiver program uh, countywide. A lot of the schools kind of had that figured out to begin with, but some maybe didn't. And so we were able to work with our SCO, our, our Sonoma County Office of Education, to push that information out consistently to all the different, I think, 42 school districts uh, here in Sonoma County and make sure everybody kind of had uh, the same information. And so from that perspective, you know, that was a resource that was a two-way street, right? The county had the ability to fund some, some of the contracts, but we didn't know where to do that. I think a, another area uh, that developed maybe a little bit later was how to actually manage the health impacts for the workers. I think maybe touched on this, but there were several, maybe three or four of the calls where we would always have um, a presentation, a short presentation by our environmental health officer who would then go over the new and ever-changing rules, get questions, figure out what we didn't have information on, and we'd push that information out um, after the call, and then the next week we do the same thing. They're still on the calls and they still get questions from time to time. But that's a really good environment where um, the agencies can really have that one-on-one -on -one conversation directly with that health officer. And then I think maybe getting everybody on the same page as to how to communicate, how do you access as, a, as an everyday person, how do you access food resources? And still to this day, we're hearing people don't know how to do that from time to time, right? That's, and that's frustrating and, and uh, for those individuals. So, you know, our 211 is really a resource that we're trying to push uh, and make sure that if you ever are having trouble with your food resources and you don't know how to access it, call 211, text 211, access 211 on the webpage call your 211 and get that information and they can make those direct referrals. They can screen you a little bit and say, okay, are you a senior or do you have the ability to pick up food at a location offsite from your house? Do you need it delivered? All of those different ways and they can make sure that they have access to that. And, and then obviously the different agencies oftentimes would prefer if, if they can to get that individual to contact them directly. Redwood Empire Food Bank has a great address lookup system where you just type in your address uh, on a given day and it'll it'll tell you where on that particular day all the, the the different locations are it'll also you know kind of give you some information that that's helpful so um i think those kind of resources are are 
really what the co-ed is providing. Okay, so that's Sonoma County. Let's hear from Adriana about Marin County's response. In Marin, the VOAD is supporting the county health and human services effort, which has organized food distribution under their care and shelter branch. The VOAD participates in discussions twice a week. We ensure that all of the right nonprofit partners are involved in the discussion. We help connect with nonprofits as needed, both to reach out and see what they might be doing, to perhaps involve them in the countywide effort. And then we support the county effort by filling in the gaps, you know, the gaps that aren't addressed by either people who are leading this effort or organizations. So specifically, the VOAD has been involved in providing dinner to three um, motel and hotel sites where we're housing homeless, because that was a need um, that obviously existed. And they, they were looking to the VOAD to help coordinate that. The, the county staff didn't have the, the resources and ability to do that. So the, they, they asked the VOAD to lead that effort. We've also helped coordinate food distribution guidelines because, you know, as a VOAD, you're involved in a lot of different calls with a lot of different agencies. And you start to hear very quickly that a pop-up food distribution site is unsure as to whether or not they should be using reusable bags. Another site might be wondering if they need to take temperatures of their volunteers. Another site, you know, might need equipment, but doesn't really know how to manage all of the, the, the people who are lining up, you know, whether it's by cars or, or in person. And so we really, the VOAD really coordinated a lot of the guidelines by consolidating what was out there, finding best practices and sharing that with everybody so that there was coordination and everyone could be on the same page. Another sort of smaller effort that the VOAD's been involved in um, is with one of the most recent health orders where I think all the Bay Area counties are following this. Everyone is required to wear face masks, face coverings. And one of the things that a VOAD is very good at is, is kind of herding cats, if you will, coordinating lots of individual localized efforts. And as you can imagine, mask making is something that people can do in their homes. Um, It's a way of reaching out to your local fabric store. It's a way of helping, you know, if you're an older adult and you can't get out. And so the VOAD has looked to coordinate some of those efforts and make sure that, you know, that people really can be helping in lots of different ways. We can get face coverings to those people who are standing in line and need them. We can make sure that the neighbors who are are sheltering in place and and really want to participate can participate and contribute to those who are in need. We've also helped communicate with the local food distribution efforts in terms of census, because, you know, obviously census workers are not going out door to door right now. And so there's a concerted effort for those nonprofits that are leading the census outreach to make sure that they're connected with the right people. So we're getting them to the food distribution sites. We're making sure that materials can go out, that volunteers are able to show up and speak with people who are standing in line so that they understand the importance of the census and why they should fill it out and be counted. So those are specific things that the VOAD is doing with regard to feeding. 
just to touch a little bit on what Mimi and John said, the county food distribution effort is far-reaching. Um, it's, it's very diverse. We have this countywide effort that involves the San Francisco Marin Food Bank. It involves a number of nonprofits. Mimi mentioned Ceres. Ceres is also in, in Marin, and they're a nonprofit that makes sure they're, they have um, medically tailored meals to those who have needs. Um, so they're part of this countywide distribution effort to make sure that people are getting food, they're getting what they need. Um, and it's everything from pop-up food distribution sites that might be walk-through, they might be drive-through. We also have a grocery delivery program that's organized through the county. There's also a meal program that's organized through the county that's actually separate from what Governor, um, Governor Newsom has recently announced, um, although Marin County is trying to figure out how to incorporate that as well. So there are a lot of county-wide efforts that are taking place at the county level within Health and Human Services. And then there are a lot of smaller individualized efforts that happen at the local level as well as across county, but they might be led by nonprofits. It might be a nonprofit that picks up leftover food from um, commercial kitchens and delivers it to communities and nonprofits that have needs. The uh, feeding of the school children is another perfect example. It, it's organized at the county level, and there are also a lot of local efforts where neighborhoods are getting together, they're um, packing sandwiches, you know, they're respecting the six feet um, social guidelines, they, they only have a certain number of people in their space, and they're buying food, packing groceries, preparing sandwiches, preparing lunches and, and meals for um, school children and their families. We hope that there's no stone unturned. It's hard to know. There are a lot of different efforts out there to make calls and try to connect with people. There are a lot of efforts out there in terms of messaging to make sure that people know what is available we're hoping that through all of these different efforts that are pan-county and localized, that we're reaching everyone who needs it. You know, the big question is if we are, but that's where we hope that neighbors helping neighbors will be able to tie in people who might have been overlooked. Maybe they're people who were not part of existing services, but now because of lost income, uh, other situations, they might be needing um, food. It's an admirable effort. I hope that it covers everybody. Again, there are lots of different groups reaching out, trying to connect with their constituents so that we can make sure that those who are on in-home support services, those who have medical conditions, those who are um, at risk, you know, maybe in lower income communities, whatever, whatever the population we're we're hoping that we're reaching them and we're getting them the, the, the meals and the groceries that they need. But there, there are a lot of food resources out there. And last but not least, here's Celeste to talk about the food resources in Napa County. We do focus on coordinating and communicating about food. And as I said, one of the key things has uh, been the launch of this food access calendar, which just happened this week. It's actually a lot of energy to pull together all the information about 
all of the food resources in the community. Uh, before we put together the calendar, we had also put together a tracking document to track, uh, to begin tracking how many people are accessing our food programs. And you know, we saw with our food banks that at first it was kind of doubled, then it tripled, and now it's probably at the quintuple phase for some locations, particularly Napa, some of the other food pantry locations like in Calistoga and St. Helena. Some of the other locations are still just at triple and quadruple, but they're smaller populations. We've really seen the need grow in Napa County over the last, I'm trying to think of how many weeks we've been in this now, definitely at least eight weeks. So in ter terms of the food resources, we don't have, I mean, some of the other counties like Sonoma County have a lot of different food resources. We have just a few, and even that is challenging to, to manage. Um, our big one is the food bank, which also runs nine pantries throughout the county. So up valley, down valley, there's, a, and then out in some of the rural areas like Anglin and Pope Valley. Um, and then we have one in Calistoga, one in St. Helena, uh, definitely a couple locations in Napa where we distribute food. And then there's also American Canyon. So the food bank, is the main organization and it also provides uh, food throughout the county at the different pantries. What we have found is that people need access to groceries during this response. And they're trying to focus a lot of their resources on paying the rent, even though there is you know, the eviction moratorium, people really don't wanna be in arrears on their rent and don't wanna face a huge inability to you know, pay up at the end of this event. So they really are focusing on trying to pay their rent and so food kind of becomes second. So they really rely on the food bank for those grocery support. There's a couple of other grocery programs um, that happen in the county that are a little more ad hoc. For example, um, Olay Health Foundation goes from city to city and does a, a produce distribution periodically. For example, today they were up in St. Helena Next week, they'll be at Napa Valley College, and then on the 29th, they'll be down in American Canyon again. So um, they kind of bounce around the county and do a produce program. Um, the food bank actually has several different programs. There's the main food bank program, which is now a drive-through program. So people used to be able to go and shop and ask for specific things. Now they drive through and they're given an allotment of food. Then they also have the USDA program, which is uh, provides through the US government staples that the food bank has to distribute. And those are things like cans of tuna and peanut butter and some other kinds of uh, shell staples like that. Then we also have the free market Fridays or other free market days where they provide um, large allotments of fresh produce. And so that's all run by um, Community Action Napa Valley, which runs our food bank and also our Meals on Wheels program, which is our core program for all of our older citizens um, and older adults. And because of the COVID-19 program, you know, Meals on Wheels is for seniors who have difficulty getting out of their home. But during COVID-19, that covers every single person over the age of 60. So Meals on Wheels has definitely opened up their um, eligibility requirements. Last time I heard they increased the population they're serving by about 15%. I'm thinking that's closer to 20% now. They're a core program and they're all part of 
Community Action Napa Valley, which is a core um, organization and a core member of COAD. So we coordinate very closely with them, as does the county, because they are a key provider of food resources within the county. Then we've also had programs like the grab and go programs at the school districts. At the schools, they hand out the lunches on Tuesdays uh, or Mondays and Thursdays, handing out breakfast and lunch meals. Our boys and girls clubs have supplemented that by having their own grab and go programs for dinners. So for example, the boys and girls club in American Canyon and Napa, they have a grab and go dinner at 4.30 and it's for the kids up Valley and the St. Helena and Calistoga Boys and Girls Club, they provide meals for a family of four. So they do a dinner program for families of four. They're doing about 1,100 meals a week uh, for families who are part of Boys and Girls Club. The Boys and Girls Club uh, down in American Canyon and uh, Napa, they don't have the requirement that you have to be part of the Boys and Girls Club. And what we're finding at these uh, grab-and-go meal programs at the schools and boys and girls clubs is that local businesses and local um, charities are supplementing by providing additional bags of groceries. For example, Catholic Charities, one of the grab-and-go dinners that boys and girls club did, they started offering um, some pro small produce bags and, and with milk because they got a big donation of milk from um, Starbucks. Then there's a, a local dentistry that has been supplementing with 100 bags of groceries on one day a week during these grab-and-go dinners and lunches. So we have found that there's a lot of supplementing going on at these places, and we've really encouraged people to, if they're going to do a food distribution, to not create a new place to do it, that they capitalize on the places where people know they can be accessing food. So that's been really important in Napa that we don't confuse people by creating a lot of different distribution sites that they know where they can go and those places are where we supplement of food resources. So we've also had restaurants doing um, special giveaways. Some of the owners of the mobile home parks where a lot of our older adults live, you know, are sponsoring like six meals over a three week period and paying the restaurants to help the restaurants out as well. Our wineries, we've had a group of about five or six wineries who have provided meals on weekends to some of the homeless and low income people in Napa. And now they're doing it up in Pope Valley and Howell Mountain. And um, one of the local grocery stores is providing free lunch to high school kids. So and then we also have the Salvation Army, which continues their lunch program, and they also have a grocery bag program as well. And then we do promote people to enroll in CalFresh. There's not a lot of programs out there, but it, it does get complicated just keeping up with all of the different programs and all the little special programs that come up. Um, the calendar really focuses on those ongoing programs that people can rely on. Before we got the calendar done, we did the food tracking document where we're just like, what is happening? You know, how many kids are coming to the grab and go stations at the schools? How many are going to the grab and go at boys and girls clubs? Who's accessing groceries? What's the traffic at the different pantries? And we've actually added, um, particularly at our more remote pantries where we used to only go twice a month. Now they've added two days a month so that they're getting resources every week. 
the thing that's been difficult during this event is that people for the first time are having to access these resources. Many people have never been in a position where both adults in the family are unemployed and they need to feed their kids. So that has been new for a lot of people and they're not comfortable accessing some of these resources. So I'm trying to make them feel okay about it and that they really do have you know, the right to access these resources, that they're there for them. You know, for people who regularly use the programs, they've been fine and they've been accessing, but some of the newer people have really struggled with um, being okay with it. So that's why I think we've seen the numbers rise so much by now. Numbers, you know, then some of these stimulus checks came out, so we didn't see as many people, but I think as we get towards the end of the month and rent is due in June, uh, we'll see people start accessing the, the food programs a lot more a lot more traffic again. Wow, there's a lot going on. How can health centers connect patients to these resources? Here's John. I mentioned it earlier, but I'm going to just say it again. One of the best things you can do is call 211. Some of the individuals are, are going to be able to pick up food if they just know where to go, even if they've got a medical condition. Others may not be, obviously. We have a medical referral in some county if uh, you've tested positive for COVID-19. And so from, from that category, you can be directly referred to one of two of our, our contracted agencies. What we're also seeing though, is that there's a number of people who kind of fall outside of that. They may not be a senior yet, so they don't fall into a Meals on Wheels. Um, they're not necessarily able to access food at a, a food bank or a food pantry site because they have access challenges. And so how do we get those kind of individuals? They've got a, a medical need. And so we're trying to put together uh, some additional contracts. And we've got our ideas and we're waiting on funding. We hope will come through this week or next Tuesday at the latest. But we are, we are prepared to start offering that. We don't know how many of the uh, individuals will take advantage of that. So we may run out of money very quickly, which is uh, our worry. Or we may have adequate resources uh, entirely where we can continue to serve those, those in need. Obviously, from a county perspective, our funding is tied to the emergency response. And so it doesn't necessarily continue after that goes away. It's an unusual event, so it's hard to say when that'll be. But I, I think, you know, we're all a little bit concerned on trying to avoid a hard stop uh, on the food. People have gotten used to a particular pattern. We need to make sure that we've eased back in, if at all possible. And I'll just weigh in on that. Here's Mimi again. John did a really great job of reinforcing, I think, the first place for folks to start would be 211, but also to connect with uh, the major food bank, for, which for us is Rabbit Empire Food Bank, and they have wonderful resources online. But I will also say that um, the municipalities have, for example, been, many of them have been actively engaged in our weekly co-ed food group calls and are actively looking to meet the needs of their individual community members as well. And I thought Adriana did a really great job of talking about neighbors taking care of neighbors, that kind of the sharing and, and caretaking at a 
at a very individual level is, is never been more important. We, we all need to rely on that, right? Because when we can't reach people, that's the only way. Here's Adriana. So in Marin, we're a little bit different. Two-on-one is not active in Marin. And we have two main phone numbers that have been stood up by um, the County Health and Human Services. There's one that's a hotline um, for all non-emergent COVID-19 related issues. So everything from food needs to emergency rental assistance to homelessness, you know, whatever the case may be, that phone number is a hotline that we use. We also have a phone number that's exclusive to older adults, people with disabilities and caregivers. And that is another hotline with all resources available. And both of those hotlines share information. So they're constantly updated. They know what the current resources are that are available. And we steer everybody to both of those hotlines and the corresponding email addresses. The other thing um, that we do have, so, so the San Francisco Marin Food Bank is a huge provider in Marin, just like the Redwood Empire Food Bank is in Sonoma. And they have a food locator, which um, I believe Mimi or John mentioned, you know, you can type in your address and it tells you exactly what resources are available. We use that, um, but because that doesn't satisfy all of the, the food distribution that's out there, Health and Human Services has an ongoing resource list that provides everything that's available. So people can, they need to know to look for it, which is an issue. But once they find it, once we direct them to it, it has everything from how do you find the nearest food pantry to what are the different meal delivery options available, what are the criteria for qualifying, and anything else that they may, may need to know about. It's not as simple as 211. It is a, a, a full 415 hotline number. <laughs> but that's how we steer everybody to the most up-to-date resources. And what about Napa County? Can health centers connect patients to resources there as well? Yeah, through the calendar. And also, as I said, Ole Health Foundation um, does their own giveaway and they promote it with their their patient base. (laughs) So um, the first time they did a distribution, a thousand people showed up. And so we had a huge traffic jam. (laughs) It's kind of crazy. So now we can plan for that more effectively um, so that, you know, people have access without creating huge traffic jams. When you have a thousand people showing up to access food between 11 and 12, so you know they've extended the hours and then changed some locations, which is what we don't want to do most of the time is change locations, but if it's going to create a big problem, you know the food bank, their locations have been sound and set for a long time, so people know how to access those areas. Our CHC Health Centers also have the option to use something called NorCalResources.com, which is an online directory that lists free and reduced-cost social service programs in our communities. This resource makes it easy for organizations helping people with social needs to find and make referrals to the appropriate programs and services. It also provides several functionalities for an organization to share concise, and accurate information about their programs, as well as a built-in referral system. Want to learn more about this? Go to RCHC's website at www.rchc.net backslash NorCal-resources. 
What do you think these resources will look like in the future? Perhaps after the first wave of COVID has passed, will some of these resources disappear or be significantly scaled back? Here's Mimi. So for us in Sonoma County, given that we've experienced so many disasters in the last series of years, the nature of those disasters was substantially different given that it was a short, relatively short duration. Felt like a really long time when you're having the wildfire go on. Three weeks can feel like an eternity, but uh, it had a relatively short duration. And then we were shifting back into recovery mode. Um, With COVID, there is a very long-term nature of uh, what we expect the demand to be. I will say the demand on the emergency food nonprofits is is enormous. The need for support, which has been really beautiful. We've seen really beautiful support here in Sonoma County of communities stepping up to donate food. There's been food donation drives in each of the different municipalities. People are donating money, donating food, um, volunteering their time if they're, uh, if they're avail- if they can from a health perspective, they're available to do that. The community response has really, really been beautiful. Unless there is a real long-term nature and there, and some of the individual organizations experience some financial distress as a function of that, you know, I expect that, that many, if not most of them, will be, still be serving our community's needs moving forward from this. So, John, what would you add on top of that? I think you covered the, the, the high points. I think a lot of the communities in California, particularly, but I know here in Selma County, they've had to dig pretty deep with the wildfires and the public uh, safety power shutdowns, the PSPSs, and for us also the flooding. And so our ability to sustain out of our reserves starts to diminish. And so we rely on making sure that you know, we, we can sustain this and be ready for the wildfire season as well. So it's not just looking back, it's looking forward. What are we going to do June, July, August, September, October, perhaps November? How are we going to be taxed? So we've got to make sure we, we have that. I think many of the donors are facing that same kind of fatigue. So donor fatigue. And I think a lot of the agencies are facing that finding ways to sustain these efforts is really, I think, important, but as important as finding ways to make sure that people who are participating are able to keep doing that. And so I feel like um, I see the same faces in all the same meetings for the last three years uh, over and over again, and it's a flood one time and a fire another and a fire again. and. You know, I think people are pretty tired and uh, we, we definitely need to not have that uh, impact our ability to deliver services as well. So pulling together, being supportive, you know, making sure that, that we're, we're helping not just our neighbors, but also um, service agency to service agency. And I think that's what a co-ed really does well, is they can provide a certain kind of support for each other that, I think a lot of these agencies kind of feel like they're out there on their own and they can feel a little bit isolated. And I think that's a great thing that can happen. Here's Adriana. I think everybody recognizes that things have to change going forward. For Marin, we have been 
in a supportive role to Sonoma and Napa over the last couple of years um, through disasters, but this is our first countywide disaster in quite some time. You know, the power shutoffs were very localized. This is a different thing where everybody's affected. And I think there will be a paradigm shift. I think everybody recognizes that there are inequity issues. You know, none of this goes away, right? The moment you get your paycheck, if you're lucky to get your paycheck, doesn't mean that all the problems disappear. And so I'm hopeful that all of this collaboration, both within our own counties and across counties, will help people change the thinking going forward. I can tell you that I'm hopeful that the collaboration and attitude um, to make things change is there. And people will find ways of solving things, you know, with an equity perspective in mind. And, you know, hopefully there are sustainable changes that, that occur going forward. Here's Celeste on the future of food resources. You know, that's why we haven't signed up with the newest and greatest thing, because we want to be referring people to programs that we know will continue and are sustainable. So, you know, some new foundation comes in and says, oh, we're going to do this. And, you know, we we don't want people signing on with a program and then taking themselves off of a sustainable program like Meals on Wheels or the food bank, uh, because those we know will continue and are a strong part of our community. Um, Some of the restaurant programs, you know, they just do things when they can, and that's fine. It takes a little pressure off the families, you know, to have a nice meal provided for them. But restaurant programs are not going to sustain people going forward. So I see some of those programs falling away, but our core programs all the food bank programs like USDA, the Standard Food Bank and Free Markets, as well as Meals on Wheels, they'll all continue. Ole Health Foundation is just doing it for COVID. Um, so, but they're providing huge resources during this time, like you know, um, a thousand bags of produce. So that really helps get through. And Salvation Army and CalFresh programs will also continue. So we have not, you know, been referring people to the latest and greatest new thing just simply because we don't know how sustainable those are and we want people connected to sustainable resources because we look, we know that there will be financial need for months to come because of the loss of employment and then trying to get their footing back. And then from there we'll be entering into PSPS season and fire season. And in those situations, in PSPS, food becomes a big issue again because people lose food because of the loss of electricity, particularly in the more rural areas, which tend to lose electricity longer and more frequently. So in those cases, prepared meals become very um, helpful and less focused on groceries because people don't want to lose the groceries in the refrigerator, but they can use, you know, um, shelf-stable items. But the restaurant meals, being able to get a prepared meal during PSPS when you can't cook and you don't know if your food's safe is really important. So it's really different how uh, the different emergencies change people's food, need, food needs. 
And then if we end up in a sheltering experience, the county takes over food and they um, contract out with Salvation Army and other organizations to provide food at the shelters. So we have, it, that is when the county can step in and do food is when we have a sheltering response. So it's, it's trying to be nimble and be able to respond to any situation is really important. Anything else our health centers should know? Well, and I'll just on my end by saying, because I do work in the broader food system, that there's never been a more important time or that it's a time that it's been more clear how important a strong local food system is for our community resiliency. If you have the wherewithal supporting your local restaurant, you know, buying produce from your local farmer, supporting a small local grocery store in your community to help support these resources in our own individual communities that at a broader level help feed us all every day. And that's going to be increasingly more important the next year to unfold for us. Mimi's right. If you can support your local food system, whether that be a farmer's market, farm stand, community supported agriculture, or CSA box, or order from local restaurants. My household has made it a priority to go to our local farmer's market weekly to connect with the people who grow our food and support local farms. We've also been growing some of our own food in our backyard. Almost everybody has space to grow something, even if it's on a windowsill. I'd encourage all of us to try these things. You might be surprised how green your thumb is, or at least appreciate the green thumb of a local farmer. We're lucky we live in a place where, you know, where we have local food and amazing food at our fingertips. Um, the, only, the only closing message that I would like to leave is that I, I think we all agree that it's hard to get the messaging out there to all the people. And to the extent that you guys can do that and, and assure people that even if they don't find something right away, there are resources out there. You know, I, I don't see people going hungry. It's a real desire to make sure that people have um, food in their homes, um, food on their tables, and that food is not an issue. So I would just encourage everyone to share the message that if you don't know what resources are out there, um, it doesn't mean that they don't exist. Uh, they just may be a little harder to find because you're not plugged into the right system. big thank you to today's presenter, participants, and our listeners. I'm your host, Kelly Bond, and we'll see you next time in the QI chat room. Music